Well, it certainly is exciting to remind you that we are in our 23-year anniversary month at Faith Community Fellowship, and also this is the month that we have started working towards a great regathering of our church family in our beautifully refurbished facility. Now, in the first session of the present message entitled, Welcome Home, we look deeply into the letter to the Hebrews, especially chapters 10, 11, and 12. And we, sent, uh, we saw some wonderful truths which are clearly applicable to the church today. Here we are in the 21st century, and here we are still learning uh, from this letter to the uh, Hebrews of old. We learned of running the race versus merely coasting. And to bring it closer to home, we posed the question, are you running or coasting? You see, the great danger of any organization, every aging church, and every aging person, so that's all of us, is this. We might begin to coast instead of run. So we started to look at some motivations for running this race as we have embarked on Faith Communities Year 24. And before considering these motivations, I wonder if we could just pause now and ask God to lead us and to teach us and to take us into his word and into all truth. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity of opening your word today. Once again, these timeless truths come off the pages and, and they speak to our hearts. And Lord, help us to listen, help us to apply, help us to live out these uh, admonitions, these truths not suggestions, but really reminders of things past, things present, and things to come. May we be full of joy and excitement as we continue to study from the Word of God. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Motivations for us to prepare to run the race and not the coast would include, first, as I may have mentioned before, looking to witnesses. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, we read the words, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. And so as we look back and we see the various saints of old, and we look into the various Bible studies and we see stories of a lot of people, we see examples of faith and perseverance under heavy, uh, unimaginable circumstances in many cases. We see David, who amongst other things committed adultery and later murder, and yet he finished the race. There was John the Baptist, a rather peculiar and, and uh, uh, a very different personality, and, and had a very different approach. And yet, he finished the race. And then, then there's Joseph. Hey, he was sold into slavery. His life was like a roller coaster ride. And yet, he finished the race. Then there's Job, who suffered greatly. He just suffered so much. And, and, and yet, he lost so much and regained so much. And he finished the race. And we can't forget Stephen, 
Stephen, who was hated and ridiculed and stoned to death, and, and, and yet he finished the race. Well, by the power and the faith that got them through, my Christian friends, you and I, are going to finish the race too. That's the first thing that these witnesses uh, motivate us with, and it's certainly worth taking in. But there's something better. In Hebrews 11.40, we read two words, something better. All these, that is the people mentioned in chapter 11, though they're well attested by their faith, they did not receive what was promised. Since God had foreseen something better for us, the writer says. And what is this something better? Well, the answer is the last statement of chapter 11, verse 40, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. In other words, the final perfected salvation of all of the saints who have gone before entails something like this, the resurrection of the body, the reign of Jesus on the new earth, the restoration of all things, and this will not happen without all the runners finishing the race. They finish the race. They get a ribbon. Uh, not the gold cup, but a ribbon. Uh, uh, this is figurative language, of course, you understand. Then they circle around, and the cry, crowd in on the sidelines of the marathon route to, to watch us and to wait for us, because God says no one gets the glory of final perfection until all have finished the race. And when all the runners are across the line, then the joy of everyone will be even more profound and pronounced. We will be glorified, not just one at a time, but all together in one great consummation of the new kingdom. That's the first motivation of this homecoming. Look back. Look back to the witnesses who have gone before. They finished their course by faith, so you can too. All the saints wait with longing and excitement for you and me to finish the race. What lies ahead is an indescribable divine act of resurrection and restoration and glorification of all the saints, that is, all the genuine Jesus followers when the last one crosses the finish line. So today, let's lay aside the weights and those sins that easily beset us and let's Run the race. Be motivated for Christ. Be motivated for our church and for the homecoming of all the saints. Now the second motivation is looking up. Looking up to Jesus. It's very easy to hear the command. Run the race, fight the fight, keep on keeping on. You've heard it all for years. But obeying that command is another story. You see, some are crawling, some are walking, some are jogging, and others are probably sprinting. The thing is, we are responsible to obey. The writer wants to encourage us to look to Jesus. And in Hebrews 12, verse 2, he, those words couldn't be clearer. Looking to Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, or as other versions say, the author and the finisher 
of our faith. I see Jesus as the pioneer and and the perfecter of our faith in three ways. First, he himself has given us the foundation of our faith. He is there, start to finish. He pioneered by enduring the cross and despising the shame. He perfected by sitting down triumphantly at the right hand of the throne of God. My friends, our redemption, the foundation of our faith, is complete. Secondly, Jesus has given us a perfect model for faith from start to finish. You see, he trusted his heavenly Father from beginning to end in his earthly race. And third, he is the giver and sustainer of our faith, again, from start to finish. In Hebrews chapter 13, jumping ahead a chapter to verse 21, it reads, May God equip you with everything good, that you may do his will, working in you that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ. You see, without faith it is impossible to please God. So the God who began a good work in us is going to complete it through Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher of our faith. So don't even begin to think that finishing this race is going to redound to your glory as if it depended on your strength. 1 Peter 4.11 says this, We run in the strength that God supplies, that in everything God may get the glory through Jesus Christ. So look to Jesus, take heart, trust him, and run the race. Now moving on to the third motivation, looking forward to joy. When we look to Jesus, one of the things we are we see, according to verse 2, is that his perfecting work of redemption was sustained by the joy that was set before him. Hmm. Looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, hear these words, endured the cross. What God wants us to do when we look to Jesus is to be like him. He endured the cross for the joy set before him. And we should endure the hardships of our marathon of faith for the joy set before us. Dear homecomers, look forward to your rewards. They are great. Hebrews chapter 10.35 says, Therefore do not throw away your confidence which had a great reward, or in another version it says, it will be richly rewarded, richly rewarded. A deterrent to apostasy is the prospect of the rewards for those who believe. That little terse statement is so important, I want to repeat it for your hearing. A deterrent to apostasy is the prospect of the rewards for those who believe. Powerful. You know what the promises are. You know how wonderful and unequaled and how superior they are. And you know that Christ will be faithful in fulfilling them. Don't let your confidence waver now 
claim the promises of God and secure the rewards of eternity. Look back and remember how wonderful it once seemed and look ahead to how even more wonderful it is going to be. You see, your endurance and patience will not cause you to turn back. Your enlightenment in the gospel will not be for nothing. But are you doing it? Are you living it? Are you mastering it? The love of the gospel, the love of Christ in your heart, and the love of his church. Your confidence will not be in vain. But many, in the time of this ancient letter, had not done the will of God fully. They had not trusted in his son fully. And till then, they could not receive what was promised. They knew the promises. Some probably rejoiced in the promises. Some had suffered for the promises, but they had not received the promises. The church, the body of Christ, still has people like this in it all these centuries later. It's that negative side of, of, of Matthew 7, verses 22 to 23. And Jesus is speaking, and he says, Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name we perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, he said, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness and iniquity. Oh, precious listener, how I pray for your soul to be free in Christ and devoted at the same time to his church. In this homecoming month, come home to Jesus or come home again to see Jesus. Home to the service of his wonderful kingdom. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. That is for the joy set before you. So the key to laying aside weights, weights like, like uh, possessions, love of possessions, and gossip, and slander, and covetousness, and running through the tough experiences of life. Hey, the key to a 23-year-old church pressing on with strength and courage and hope is to have our eyes fixed on the indescribable, unending joy at the end of this race. So today, I call us, I, I, I plead with us to really be the people of faith. You see, a person of faith has this great confidence that God will take care of him or her. Even though dreams are shattered, and plans lay collapsed at their feet. And they feel trampled by life itself. They remember, this world is not our home. I say, this world is not our home. We belong to another one. So let's live, live it right now. 
People of faith have a, have a clear witness. They have a different set of purposes and, and motives and values. And they speak a different language with an eye to the eternal things. People of faith realize they're, they're not here to stay. They're on a journey. This world, this world system, this cosmos, this society, call it what you will, is one small phase of this journey that extends into the eternal realms of forever. People of faith have the ability to distinguish between the temporal and the eternal. And people of faith stand to inherit God's blessings and provisions. And this is their security. And this, people of faith, is your security. You see, the Hebrew writer was persuading his readers to not turn back. And in so doing, he encourages them. And in so doing, he encourages us as well to press on. Will you press on today? Will you make a commitment to do so in God's dear name? Will you make that commitment to be and to live the best Christian that you can be? Will you strive for your church in this homecoming period and beyond? Hey, enjoy your homecomings, but don't get too comfortable here. You're on a quest. You're not home yet. I want you to think of the day when you will be wrapped in the arms of Jesus. Let's dare for a moment or two to just imagine what that would be like. You finally see the Savior you've served, you've trusted, you've loved, and you've longed for. There he is, the Savior who gave his life for your redemption and brought you in salvation to faith and he turned you from death to life. Life everlasting. I, I don't know what that day will be altogether. I, I can only imagine. I imagine the Lord will draw us to himself and he'll wrap his arms around us and, and, and he'll say, welcome home, thou good and faithful servant. And at that moment in time, please, please know that all of the tramplings of life while on this earthly journey, will forever be dissolved. And we will hold him, and he will hold us. And probably we will weep some joyful tears for a long time, I'm, I'm guessing. Can you just imagine in your wildest dream, can you just imagine in your mind's eye today what that moment will be like? Because it will be the ultimate homecoming. So if I can, I want to try to put this two-part message back together with Paul's words to Timothy, where he wrote in 1 Timothy 6.12, Fight the good fight of the faith and take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. And God love you. And God bless you. I would love to add these, these words and long to hear the divine words from him. Welcome home.